was praying this morning and asking God what he would have me to share with you. He had already given me my, my message for this morning. I said, Lord, I need a new word for tonight. The only thing that just came instantly into my spirit was expectation. After I got here and I've been hearing the testimonies and, and the great news that your property's paid off and and you've got a great expectation for what comes next. You've got a, you're looking forward into the future to expanding and growing in a brand new facility. I, I'm just excited for you. I didn't quite know where to go with that script, uh, that thought until I got home and I settled down and I began to pray and I think this is a scripture I don't remember ever preaching before, so it'll be new to both of us. It's found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life, or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. I, I began to think about expectancy and, and how we get an expectation for, for things that we're looking forward to. And, and I began to think about Paul. He's sitting here in a Roman prison, but... I, I thought of the ministry he has already had in his life. I, I began to think about Paul and think about the awesome ministry he has already had up to this point. He, he has been setting up churches everywhere he goes. This is one of his churches that he set up. Uh, he goes into a city and he starts a revival and he begins to... Uh, preach revival and the next thing you know he's got a gathering of people that don't want to go home and, 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 and they want more and they want more and he says I can't stay here in this city but I, I've got to move on to the next one but I'm going to set you a pastor and he's going to keep preaching so he trained him a pastor and he'd sit him there and he said these churches that's what God had called him to do but if we go back farther we remember that before he ever started planting churches, he was trying to tear them down. He was like a giant wrecking ball going around, seeing what all he could tear down and destroy. And he was doing his very best to shut down the work of God. And he had this thing about him that he just hated Christians. You ever meet somebody like that? It don't matter what you say or do, they, they, they just don't like to hear what you say, but we all know the story of Paul, so I'm not going to tell that. He started out as Saul when he was trying to destroy the church, and, and then when Jesus shined a light down into his path and got his attention, you know, 
sometimes God needs to get our attention. Sometimes we're on the wrong path. And sometimes we're not doing what we should do. But God will shine a light into our path. Did he not tell us that I will be the light unto your path? I will direct your footsteps. And as he got Saul's attention, he said, now I'm going to change your name to Paul. And instead of being a church wrecker, you're going to be a church builder. You're going to set up places of worship to honor my father. And you're going to tell people about me. See, what the, the Lord wants us to do today uh, is tell the world about him. Then I, I begin to think uh, about some of the, not only did he start churches, but he had a great and a powerful anointing upon him. He would, uh, no matter where he went, he would get the devil stirred up. And, 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 and once you get the devil stirred up, you know you got to deal with him. So he knew how to deal with the devil. And, and he knew how to uh, pray for the sick and see them recover. He had a walk with God wow. that, that just passed most people's understanding. He, he was had that walk that he would go into a place and it wouldn't be long until people would be getting healed and devils being cast out and needs being met and, and, and the people built up a confidence and they got to a place to where they said, well, if we can't find him, we'll go over there where he makes tents and we'll just get us a piece of his apron. And he was so anointed that it saturated his clothes. Even the apron on his body carried an anointing within it that, that when they cut off pieces and they take them out and they give them to people, they would get healed. They would get delivered. They would get set free. So that's the God that Paul knew. Now he finds himself sitting in a prison and he said, I didn't fully expect to be here. But he's writing back to Philippi, to this one of the many churches he had started and, and left. And, and, and he's telling them, because you, you know, if your bishop is in prison somewhere, you're going to be concerned. You're going to be wondering what's going on. You're going to be praying. Are they going to set him free? They, they are going to be expecting something. And, and so Paul starts sitting in his letter here. I'm sitting here expecting. I'm expecting an answer to my prayers. When you pray, do you expect God to answer? When you ask for a thing, do you expect to receive it? Paul said, I'm expecting and I'm hoping. Now, I don't know the answer yet. I don't know the outcome yet because it's up to that king uh, what he decides to do with me. Uh, but I'm here to tell you right now, how many knows that song? Uh, uh, either way, I'll be, uh, I've done forgot the words of it. But, whether I go or whether I stay, I'm blessed either way. And that's what Paul said in here. Paul said, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. And right now, I don't really care. He said, because if I die, that's going to be to my gain. That's going to be to my good. I, I, I don't even know how to pray about this situation. Because if they, they take my life, I get to go home and be with Jesus. I get to see the pearly gates. I get to walk on streets of gold. I get to sing around the throne. I get to have a my Jesus. So that's what I would like. And if I get what I want, 
Jesus. He's still using me. And I know it's for your better good if I stay. So did you ever give yourself your own answer when you were talking? I think Paul gave himself the answer. I think God gave him the answer through his own words. Because he said, so I believe I'm probably going to be staying. Because I think that's for the greater good of what's going on with you. Have you ever been in that place to where you know that God is using you? He has spoke to your heart. He has given you direction. He has given you a promise. And, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes in. I was thinking as I was uh, preaching this, and, and it came back as Brother Brian was talking about, I just saw the joy on his face about paying off the bank note. Well, it was uh, 22 years ago that the Lord had spoke to me, and, and I had opened the doors to Victory Tabernacle, and we weren't a year old yet. And I get di diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And you, you know what we did, how we do. We get news like that. Anybody says cancer, and, and panic wants to set in. Yeah. And, and fear wants to take over. And then the devil whispers in your ears, you're done for now. Yeah. You thought yeah. God was going to use you to pastor a church. Yeah. Now look at you. What are you going to do now? Because yeah. the doctors, uh, uh, I'll just say that was my second death sentence. Uh, because years before that, they told me I was going to die. I, I have stage four uh, heart disease. And, and I've not been healed yet. So I say I have. But you're looking at somebody that still gets up every day and, and, and does what God puts in our heart. Uh, but uh, I said that to say it, it was about 15 years ago that they told me I had five years to live. Uh, and, and I remembered that panic. I remember going home and begin, they said, you need to set your affairs in order because you might not live that long. They said one heart attack could take you out. And I said, okay. So, you know, I, I found myself listening to the doctor. But then I, as I began to set things in order, that was before I opened the church, I, I remember that God said he had a plan for me. And I said, okay, the devil is a liar. He's the father of all lies. And, and the word says, do I believe man or God? Do I obey man or God? And I said, I obey God. So I dug in a little deeper. And I began to, uh, to study harder and, and to work in the church more and to do everything I could uh, uh, for the glory of God. And, uh, and, and you see the results. Uh, but then when I opened the church, uh, Brother Brian, uh, I don't know how much of this you guys know, but this is what God put in my heart tonight. Uh, I, uh, they diagnosed me with ovarian cancer. The doctor that I saw told me that I needed immediate surgery. It, they said the cancer, and I don't understand all these terms, said it's about the size of grapefruit. It was fixed. It was set. There was nothing they could do except operate. And, and then he scared me to death telling me about the surgery. 
So this is one old girl, you scare me, and I run to my knees. Uh, because that's the only place I've ever known to go. All my life I've known to run to my knees, run and fall at the feet of Jesus, run and cry out to him and say, Lord, what, what am I going to do with this? But then I began to say, as I was reading this scripture, I could see Paul sitting here and, and he's in bondage and he, he can't do what he wants to do. And he's talking to God and he said, I have an expectancy. You called me to minister to these people and you sent, used me to set up churches and I'm supposed to be still teaching and preaching. So he says, I confidently say, I want to continue on with that. So I begin to get in prayer lines and, and, and I, you can't get in too many prayer lines. I've had people tell me that once you get in the prayer line, that's enough. And I don't know where they got their information at, but I, I don't agree with them. So I called everybody I knew. I had people praying for me in Maine and, and uh, at different places that there were, where I had relatives and I'd call and they'd get their churches praying and there'd be other people praying. Uh, the, the church would gathered around me and laid their hands on me and prayed. And, and, and the next, uh, I went to a different doctor and he said, well, I, I'm not sure what they're talking about, but, but then he says, I, I don't see what they see. So he said, I'm going to run my own test. And he said, you do have the cancer. It's not as big as they said. He said, are you a praying woman? I said, yes, and I have a praying church. And he said, well, it's shrunk. I said, they told me it couldn't shrink. He said, well, it has. He said, I'm not going to do anything right now. I want you to go home and keep praying. And, and so I went home and I prayed. And when I went back again, it had shrunk some more. And then before long, after uh, two or three visits, uh, it was gone. I, I never had to have the surgery. But, but I was like, Paul, I said, Lord, I just started this church. You told me I was going to pastor it. You told me it was going to grow and it was going to be large. I said, and that hasn't happened yet. So I don't think that it's my time. Honey, when you know you have a promise from God and you know you're headed in the right direction and you know that when you're headed in the right direction, you're going to get enemy attacks. But you can't believe the enemy. You have to fall on your face before an awesome God. And you have to cry out to him. And you have to say, Lord, it's not my will, but it's thy will. And I, I know what you call me to. I know the promise. And I've got an expectancy. I felt the expectancy when I came in here tonight because, and the excitement. And it thrills my heart. Because any time that you see a program of God being blessed and growing and exceeding its boundaries, uh, we should be excited, church. Uh, and we should have an expectancy. Uh, like, what comes next? Uh, what's our next move? Uh, where's God taking us to from here? Uh, because we don't map out our own journey. Uh, we don't decide what we're going to do. If we do, we'll fall flat on our face. Uh, oh, but when we call out to God uh, and we humble ourselves before him uh, and we begin to speak to him uh, and say, Lord, 
show me. I need to know. I need some answers. And if he'll give you the answers, he'll speak it in your spirit. He'll give it to you in his word. He'll send a song some way, somehow. He'll get you the direction. If you are excited and if you believe. See, the key is we got to believe. We've got to know that God is well able. We live, we live in a world today in a time that a lot of people has lost their faith. A lot of people have said, well, uh, God's not doing anything for me right now, so he, he must have left me. No, he didn't leave you. See, he won't leave you. And sometimes we leave him, and that's our fault. And we have to make a U-turn and get back in the ship. But God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He'll never let us down, but he'll be with us. He said always, even to the end. And, and then while I was thinking about Paul and his expectations, I thought about another man. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 3, verses 2 through 6. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive of them. <laughs> then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. In the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. I thought about how this lame man, he'd been lame all his life. He never walked. He didn't know what it felt like to stand up on his feet and, and to walk. He was carried everywhere he went. And, and he got people to carry him to the gate of the temple, and it was called Beautiful. And, and they set him down there every day so that he could beg for money, so that he would have money to live on, to buy food. Right. And, and, and I thought, you know, I don't know what kind of cup he had, but I picture this little tin cup that, you know, you see a lot of times in the movies and stuff, and, and maybe he's got a few pennies in it, and he's shaking it to make some noise and get it to rattle so that he can get the attention of those that are coming into the temple. No doubt he's thinking, what better place to, to get a, a gift than in the temple with people going in to worship God? Uh, but he looks and he sees Peter and John coming, and, and here they come, and he's rattling his cup, and he's saying, I need an alms. Do you have an alms? Can you give anything, anything at all? And, and they stop, and they look at him. Can you just feel his expectancy rising? They stopped. That means they're going to give me some. That means they're going to drop something in my cup. And, and so he, he's sitting there expectantly, and all of a sudden, Peter and John looks at him and they said, silver and gold have I none. Now his heart just dropped. You ever get your hopes built high? You have high expectation? And then all of a sudden, looks like it ain't going to happen. And then you just emotionally 
get drained and, and deflated and, and, and you feel like, oh my goodness, they ain't going to give me nothing. But Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold, I don't have. I've got empty pockets and such as I have. See, that little man didn't know what they had. But they knew what they had. They knew who they had. They've been in that upper room. Yeah. And they had that upper room experience. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like an upper room experience. Uh, when you get a made up mind that you just don't have enough yet. Uh, yeah, I went to the altar and, and I got saved. and uh, uh, But I'm still not satisfied. I want something else. I want a little bit more. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to seek the face of God. And I'm going to tell him that I want all that he has for me. I, I want uh, not just to be saved. I want to be sanctified. I want to be filled with Holy Ghost power. Because he don't like that. 
But you know what? God don't care. God said, I've done whooped you a couple of times already now. I kicked you out of heaven. You know, I've done turned your little apple cart upside down. He said, you ain't going to mess with mine. See, if you belong to God, you are covered with his spirit, with his blood, with his power. But what you got to do is you got to know it. You got to believe it. You got to know that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one that gets up with you in the morning and, and watches over you all day long. And, and when you lie down, he's still watching. And he watches over you all night long. He protects you and he shields you. And he keeps his hand upon you. And he says, if you will only believe, I will exceed your need. I will exceed your expectations. There's no matter how much you try to imagine, the limits of God, you'll never do it. Because he'll always exceed your greatest expectation. And I just want to encourage somebody tonight that it don't matter what the doctor says. It don't matter what the banker says. It don't matter what anybody else says is what God says. When I go to him and, and I'm being troubled by something and, and I don't quite know what to do about it. Maybe somebody's giving me a bad report or, or, or they, you know, every now and then when you're a pastor and, and I bet Allie can tell you because she's a pastor's kid but if you're a pastor's kid, the devil wants to attack you. He wants to get at you. He wants to try to throw them under the bus and get them uh, where you feel helpless. And, and one time, my son had been attacked in, in, in a very hard way. And, and I went to God and I said, Lord, I've heard what they've had to say. Now I want to hear from you. I need to know what you've got to say. I need to know how we're going to get him through this. And all of a sudden, the Lord just began to speak into my spirit. He was accused of doing something at school that he swore to me he hadn't done. And I said, I want to believe him, but I want to hear from you. And, and Brother Brennan, he just began to tell me where the cameras were at in the school. They said, he said, call him and tell him to pull the camera feed up. He hadn't done what they said. See, God will tell you what you need to know. He will, he will tell you when the enemy has devised a plan against you, that the Lord will show you the answer and how to get you out of it. Just so, as long as you believe. As long as you believe. And see, you got to put that faith into action. And, and and I hope you don't care, but I have this really, I think it's funny, but it's true. It's a true testimony. And I've been thinking about it all afternoon. But like I said, hopefully y'all haven't heard this one yet. But you know how you'll ask God for something? And, and then you'll, you'll start expecting, and you'll start waiting, you'll start looking. And the time comes and goes, and it hasn't happened. What do we do after that? 
this little lady, uh, she had called her testimony in, and I heard it on the radio. <laughs> I, it was awesome and funny, really. But she said she had given her heart to God. And she had started going to prayer meetings and, and, and stuff in different people's homes. And, and she said, you know, she just kept getting closer and closer to the Lord. And, and they had told her how God moves and, and how God works. And she said, my husband was a gambler. And, and he had a, a great debt that he owed to these people where he had gambled away their money. And, and, and she said she started praying that God would move in that because she felt like people looked at her badly because of this debt. And, and so she began to set out to pay that debt off. Every dime she could get, she would put it toward that debt because she was going to get free and clear of that debt. And, and she said uh, after she was pay on the debt, they didn't have nothing left for, for food and stuff. So she said they split pea soup three times a day. You ever eat split pea soup? It's good every now and then, but I'll show it one three times a day. And, and it was without seasoning because they couldn't afford the meat. And, and she said her kids started complaining. And her kids started saying, Mom, I thought God was supposed to supply our need. How come we have to eat split pea soup three times a day? And the kids down the hall, they're eating fried chicken and, and, and mashed potatoes and stuff like that. And so she went and she got down on her knees and she began to cry out to God. And, and she said, Lord, you see my heart. And you know that I'm doing the best that I can. But I want my children to be able to know that you are a provider and that you love us. And if the kids down the hall is eating fried chicken, this Sunday I want my kids to eat fried chicken. And she said, I want fried chicken with all the trimmings. I want mashed potatoes. I want green beans. I want dinner rolls. And so Sunday came and she got up that morning and she began to thank God for the chicken dinner that she knew was on the way. And she got that around noontime. She got the dishes out of the cabinet and she set the table and she had it all set nice. And she got out the salt and the pepper and set them on the table and Lord, I'm still waiting. Well, on about one o'clock, there come a knock on the door. And she opened the door, and there stands her brother with fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and rolls. And he says, surprise! She said, surprise nothing, Larry and I are late. <laughs> she expected that dinner. And she was still waiting for it. See, you can't give up just because you don't see it at the time you think you should. You've got to keep holding on. And you've got to keep knowing that God is God. And God is well able. He said, I'll supply all of your need. Whether it's a physical, spiritual, financial, it don't matter what the need is. He said, I'll supply all of your need according to his riches. Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah. I said, if I had to be blessed out of my pocket, I'd be hurting. But he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, right and then we always say he owns taters in them hills. So he can feed us. Right. He can heal us. It don't matter what 
what you need tonight, yeah. he's there for you. Yeah. He's there for you. I, I, I begin to think about the little woman with the issue of blood. You don't know where I I'll go back up there and read it. But the little woman that had the issue of blood. And, and she'd had this issue for years and years. And, and, and she'd done everything that she knew to do. She didn't know where to turn or what else to do. And, and, and she was more or less a prisoner in her house because uh, she wasn't supposed to be out on the street. She wasn't supposed to be around people. And, and, and so she was in, in that place to where you're between a rock and a hard place. And, and she said, I've been to all the doctors. I've been to the specialists. I've paid out all my money. I've used up all my insurance. Have you ever been there? I, I, I've done everything I know to do. Uh, but uh, I just don't know where to turn. And then she heard about Jesus. And she heard that Jesus was coming through her town. And she was sitting there and she was building up her courage. And she was trying to build up her energy. Because, you know, She's bound to be weak, and, and it's hard for her to get around, and, and she's building up her courage. She's trying to build up some strength, and she's saying to herself, if I could just get to Jesus, I've heard that he heals people. I've heard how he has told them to get up off their bed and walk when, when they couldn't walk. I, I've, I've heard how he laid it his hands on blinded eyes and, and their eyes would be opened and they could see. I've heard how he opened deaf ears and now they hear. I've heard all these uh, testimonies. That's why your testimony is important. It encourages somebody. It builds somebody else's faith. You done been through it and God brought you through it and he gave you victory in the midst of it. And when you're telling somebody, Doing everything, and then you wait and go back at three in the afternoon, and there's a dozen or more of them. 
that's beside the point. She's just trying to get to Jesus. And she said, I'm going to get there. So we have to have a made up mind. We have to have a determination. We have to have an expectancy. She said, I know if I get there, if I just get there, I know I'll be healed. I know I'll be made whole. I know I just have to get to close enough to touch his clothes. And so she pressed her way through. And once she got close enough, she reached out her hand and she touched him. And when she touched him, Jesus knew it. He stopped the crowd. He stopped the movement. He said, who touched me? And his disciples say, Lord, how can you even ask such a question? Look how many people there is thronging around us. Look how they're crowding in. How could we know who touched you? They might not even know who touched you because they're pressing into you. But the little woman with the issue of blood, she had felt the healing virtuous power of God flow through her body and she stepped out of the crowd and she said, I touched you. Knowing that if they chose, they could have stoned her to death. She took her life in her hands because she wanted to thank him for her healing. And when she stepped out, he looked at her. He, he didn't put her down. He, he didn't begin to rail on her for being out amongst the people. He didn't tell her she had no right to touch him. She just got a better seat. <laughs> he didn't do any of those things, but he looked at her and he said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. See, church, he sees us as his sons and his daughters. And he knows what we need before we even need it. And he's already got a plan in motion. He's just waiting for us to step out. He's waiting for us to want it bad enough that we'll press in. And, and we'll press on. And, and we'll get closer and closer until we can touch him. Until we can receive what he has for us. Because he has great things in store for his people. You talk to anybody and, and they'll tell you. You can look in the Bible and the word of God and see if we're not living in the last days. And he said, I just want my people to love me. And I want them to trust me. And I want them to press in and get closer to me. And you can't never get close enough. You got to just keep getting closer and closer and closer. I like what the brother said earlier. He wanted the power of God. We've got to desire that power. Sense humor, okay? But I heard this this joke, and I don't like jokes. That I want to be so full of the anointing of God Hallelujah. that when a mosquito bites me, he'll fly away singing, There's power in the blood. Hallelujah. I love that joke. But there's power in the blood of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. And if you're not scared to speak that name, and if you're not scared to stand up, and, and if you have an expectation uh, that God is going to meet your need, and it don't matter what you're faced with. You're looking at a 
preacher lady that's been walking around in stage four heart failure for 15 years or more now. That's God. That's God. I guarantee it's nothing I've done because I still like my little Debbie Smites. <laughs> but it's everything he does. It's everything he does. And, and he is so awesome, church. All he wants, this morning I preached love at our church and I said, you know, all he wants us to do is love him. Love him and keep his word and his commandments and just live for him. I, I, I said the, the bombings and everything we went through uh, a few years ago with the Twin Towers and everything, I said uh, they are taught from childhood up how to strap a bomb on and die for their God. And all Jesus wants us to do is live for him. Amen. Live for him and love him. Yeah. Yeah. He said, you don't have to die for me because I've already died for you. I just want you to live for me and love me and tell the world about me. Church, we can never bring on him enough. He is such an awesome